Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to this episode of The Great America Show, this moment in time as we celebrate truth, justice, and the American way, and we resolve to support and sustain our great republic. Someone has to do it. Might as well be you and me. One thing about being in the arena, it's not as crowded as those sidelines with all those bystanders just watching and waiting. Let's go get them. And here we go. First, I want to give a shout out to Congresswoman Myra Flores, who won her race last month in the special election for District 34 in the southwesternmost part of Texas and America. We talked today, and I'm very impressed with her. Her district is at the epicenter of national issues. Huge national issues, including border security, illegal immigration, the mass fentanyl poisoning of Americans, sex trafficking, and deadly drug and human smuggling. And like all of America, dealing with a slowing economy and runaway inflation. You'll be hearing, in my opinion, a lot from this new Congresswoman, Myra Flores. 90% of her district is Hispanic, and her victory has the radical left Dems absolutely going berserk. And they're attacking her now for flipping what had been, they thought, a safe, deep blue district. Her Democrat opponent even hired a blogger to attack the congresswoman with sexist and racist slurs. Flores is handling their sheer ignorance with grace and class and great exemplary strength. The left better get used to the independence and diversity of political views among Hispanics and the strength of principal politics of this new congresswoman from Texas 34. Hispanics are the biggest minority group in America, and they're not monolithic in their politics and are clearly tired of being taken for granted by Democrats. Not only in Texas, but nationally. In fact, the latest Quinnipiac poll reveals that 70% of Hispanics disapprove of Joe Biden's handling of his job as president, 70%. And among Hispanics, Biden has only a 19% approval rating, 19%. And on the border, DHS Secretary Mayorkas had the brass to claim, quote, the border is secure. He said it before, and he's still talking it. Despite an estimated 1.6 million illegals who entered the United States in Biden's first year in office, as many as 4 to 6 million more are expected over the course of the next year. Despite the seizure on the border of enough fentanyl last month to kill 140 million Americans, Mayorkas is betraying this nation every single day. Mayorkas is a liar, and Mayorkas is a traitor. He and his boss in the White House are among the vast number of reasons political analysts are now saying the radical Dems will go down to a historic defeat in the midterm elections in just over three months. There's also raging rampant runaway inflation, a slowing economy, 
Are markets in turmoil, a foreign policy designed by moronic Marxist Dems, and the massive national debt created by Biden's insane spending, like spending $50 billion for corrupt Ukraine, all of the military hardware, equipment, including aircraft, being shipped to Ukraine. And now Ukraine's first lady is personally asking Biden for more, more, and more again. What happened to the tens of billions already sent? And where are the Europeans in the defense of Ukraine? Where are their tens of billions of dollars? Why aren't they spending their money? Why is Biden now sending more of our American troops to defend Europe and possibly Ukraine? We have with us today one of the world's best-known conservatives. He's Nigel Farage, longtime British politician, member of the European Parliament, and founder of Brexit, the British exit from the European Union. He's a supporter and good friend of President Trump. Nigel, thanks for being with us today, and great to have you here. Boris Johnson stepping down as prime minister, conservative, seemingly unsettled at best. Rock may be the right word. Where is the party and the U.K. headed? Well, first things first. I mean, Boris Johnson, huge personality, um, lots of humor, lots of charisma, um, big presence on the global stage. Um, and the whole thing has an element of sort of Shakespearean tragedy about it, really. I mean, this is the job he wanted from about 10 years old. He always wanted to be prime minister. He got there and in the end held the job for a very short period of time. And two morals to the story. The first is stick to your promises to the electorate. You know, don't get governed. They don't get elected as a conservative and governed as a liberal. And the second, even bigger story, and this applies to all of us in everyday life and what we should tell our kids and grandkids, you can't lie. You can't do it. And I'm afraid in the end, what brought Boris down wasn't just, wasn't just policy, although there were some serious failings there. It was not telling the truth. Right. You know, when you get caught, when you get caught when, in life, when you get caught in trouble, do you know what the best thing to do is? It's to hold your hands up. Say, I'm really, really sorry. Please forgive me. And in a Christian society, generally people do. Boris thought he could bluff his way through the whole thing. And it ended what had been a glittering political career. So it's a moral we should learn in politics, in media, in public life, in all of our lives, just tell the truth. Oh. With him and gone, the, the you, Conservative yes, Party have lost. They've lost a giant personality, Luke. I mean, you know, he is, for all his faults, a giant personality. And frankly, you know, as we do this uh, conversation, the effort to replace him is about midway. Um, every single person trying to fill his shoes is, frankly, in terms of stature, political stature, a pygmy compared to Boris. It leaves the Conservative Party in a very, very bad place. And, you know, a couple of things. I, I would say that he is going out when, it, at least internationally, his position was strongest. He was showing more leadership, more energy. Uh, as a international leader, particularly in regard to Ukraine, uh, there was uh, this was a, a man who looked as though he was finally growing up. 
another moral in this story, you said he wanted to be prime minister from the time he was 10. Uh, you know, mm. in the course of his uh, uh, prime ministership, it looked like he had been dreaming of being a party boy since he was 10. Uh, that conflict <laughs> just uh, isn't something that he overcame. Yes, I mean, there was no discipline, you see. And, and when we were locked down, and bear in mind, bear in mind, during coronavirus, the UK lockdown was very severe. I mean, I could not even go to visit my elderly parents. I couldn't do it. I wasn't allowed. Uh, and, you know, being who I am, I would have been photographed walking in off the street. I couldn't even go and see my parents for nearly a year. Um, that's how tough the lockdown was. And when we learned what was happening in Downing Street were these enormous drinking sessions going on till three, four in the morning, uh, you know, a whole culture of do as I say, not as I do. Um, and then again, you see, when Johnson was confronted with this, um, he said no rules were broken. Uh, no rules are broken. We we obeyed the rules at all times. And when it turns out they didn't obey the rules at all times, he sort of said, well, no harm was meant. But, you know, you can't, you just, when you're caught doing wrong, you have to tell the truth. And, yeah, Johnson is a larger-than-life party animal. And I'd be the last person on earth to condemn and criticize that. I'm not a Puritan by any means at all. I think people should live their lives to the full. But, you know, the charges of hypocrisy, the charges of double standards, and the charges of lying when you're caught, you know, that just enraged millions of people. I mean, right. you know, I've got friends of mine couldn't go and visit their dying relatives. Friends of mine couldn't go to funerals. Weddings cancelled. Our whole life put on hold. And the appearance, whether it's fair or not, yeah. is that at the seat of government, it was party time. Lou, it's not acceptable. It isn't acceptable. And, and there's a reason, I, I think, that uh, perhaps we in the United States are very sensitive to it, is because the globalist elites, uh, and I put that in you know, quotation marks, but the globalist elites, uh, we don't really have much use for that is, those of us who are, uh, you know, America first, who are conservative, uh, and, and who really believe uh, that we, you know, what's good for, uh, you know, the man and the woman on the street, or better be uh, exactly what's good enough for uh, the so-called elites. Uh, it, it's this country has sort of gotten refocused on egalitarianism. Uh, I'm not saying all of us. Certainly, there's nothing <laughs> that all Americans agree on. But certainly, that is a, a view, uh, a view of the uh, most Americans. Yeah, I think the other the other point that comes across here that's very interesting is, you know, over the last week I've spoken to a lot of American commentators, a lot of, you know, I've done American news channels from CNBC mm -hmm. to Fox to whatever, um, and you know, the CNBC view was quite funny. I mean, you'll love this. I was on, you know, I was on Squawk Box, you know, and um, uh -huh. and uh, and uh, I was being told, oh, wait, wait, you mean you mean Boris Johnson has gone because he didn't tell the truth? Well, if that was applied in Washington, there'd be no one left. To which I replied, well, maybe in this old country with all of its faults, we hold our public servants to a higher standard, Without and actually. Do you know what? If we do, 
and I think we do, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Let's get back to some basic, small-c Christian values that truth and integrity in people actually matter. And I, I, and I say that with great passion. And Boris, Boris has failed that test. He passed lots of other tests. He jumped big hurdles with Brexit and many other things. He he rose on the world stage. You're quite right. You mentioned this earlier. He rose on the world stage through Ukraine and one or two other things. But if you don't have personal integrity, if you can't tell the truth, then you're not really fit to lead, are you? I, I think not. But then again, like you say, the American political system is broken right now. Uh, because of what the 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 hard left in this country has done, which has seized control of the Democrat Party, and they are following a Marxist doctrine, uh, trying uh, their best to take over every aspect of our society as well as the economy itself. Uh, it, it's really quite a moment in American history. What is the perception of the U.S. leadership, this White House, <laughs> and, and the policy? We think it's a joke. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just can't believe that the leader of the free world, the leader of America, is this doddering duffer called Joe Biden. I mean, America, by virtue of its size, its success, its military power, its its cultural leadership, whether that be in film or in music or in many other ways, um, is led by this idiot who can barely string a sentence together. So when people now talk about America um, over here on this side of the pond, uh, believe me, at the moment, it's not with awe, it's virtually with pity. Um, and I, I kind of fear that what is happening in America today is a symptom of the Western world um, in quite radical, precipitous decline which unless it's turned around pretty quickly, it's going to lead to the end of our way of life as we know it. And we have the external threats. And yeah, you know, Putin's one of them, but actually China's far bigger, uh, something that has been forgotten, ignored. Iran now getting close to a nuclear weapon. Okay, I know Biden's in the Middle East at the moment, but hey, it's a little bit late. Um, And then we have the internal, the internal enemy, which is a new form of Marxism, which has pervaded our academic institutions, much of our mainstream media, which actually wants us to believe that everything about ourselves, our nation, our history, the building of all that we understand, the defense of it in two world wars at massive cost, that somehow, Lou, we are racist, horrible, bigoted, nasty people. And the truth, of course, is we're anything but so we've got these external problems, but I think the internal ones, in a way, are actually more serious. And the fact that the Democrat Party, which, let's face it, you know, those of us that are free marketeers, those of us that are Reaganites, we've never agreed with the Democrats on economic policy or social policy. But Correct. we never questioned. We never questioned their patriotism. We never questioned their belief in America. We never questioned their belief in the values that the Western world represented. And now they're part of the problem because actually the AOCs and others want to destroy it. So, so yes, it's important we face up to external challenges. Of course it is. Important we face up to, you know, what could happen in Taiwan this autumn and, or, or this fall and other, other problems like that. But unless we address 
the internal cancers we've got within our own society, we'll lose anyway. It's really, it's really time to say, what have we done here? What has the Democrat Party done? Why in the world would they take the responsibility for putting this oath uh, in the Oval Office? The Democrat Party and Biden, frankly, in 2020, were pawns of the giant social media companies, the huge amount of mainstream media, a totally one-sided election fought under a system of mass mail-out ballots, which has never been reliable anywhere it's been tried in the world. So, so actually, the Democrats didn't do this. The Democrats were enabled to do this. And... And, you know, I don't want to sound overly negative on this podcast because it is within our power, both on your side of the pond and this, it is within our power to turn this around, but it needs resolution. It needs free thinking. It needs commitment. It needs those that listen to your podcast and others to say, right, up with this, we will not put. We're actually going to stand up and do something about this. So I'm, you know, whilst I'm worried about the state we're in, I think it is becoming more obvious to ordinary, decent people. I'm not talking about those that live in D.C. or live in London or, like you and I, work in politics and media. I'm talking about yeah, the ordinary Joe out there, the families. They've got 2.3 kids, a dog and a mortgage, and they're doing their jobs and they're living their lives. And I think it's becoming more obvious to those people that something is going wrong. Right. And provided, provided we can find the means to motivate and mobilize those people to make a stand, to talk to their kids, to talk to their parents, to talk to their friends, to talk to their family. This is still salvable. Yeah, this is not the end of the West, but the threat we face is that unless we do something, it will be. I still think, I still believe, and don't forget, you know, as Mr. Brexit, I mean, I was, I was told for years I was whistling in the wind and wasting <laughs> my time, but, but, but we still got there. The fact is, the fact is, ordinary, decent people are not that engaged with politics or current affairs, but they do know one thing, the difference between right and wrong. And it's our job, it's our job as people who believe in free speech, who people who hate totalitarianism, who people who, you know, allow different points of view and critical thinking and believe in those things and, and, and actually believe that our forebears, you know, fought and died in wars so that we could have these freedoms. And, and I certainly believe in that very, very strongly indeed. And it's for us to try and inspire these people to stand up, to take a stand. So I'm, I'm worried, very worried about where we are, very worried that someone like Joe Biden can, can become leader of the free world. Right. But I certainly haven't given up because we can still win this. We can still turn this around. Well, I love it when you say leader of the free world because I don't feel that America's so alone. But on the other hand, I feel so sorry <laughs> for the, the rest of Western civilization uh, because it's, it's enough that we have to deal with this burden and this threat and this challenge. I wish I were as sunny about it all as you seem to be or at least want to be. But, you know, in this country, a citizen doesn't get the right to be a uh, going about their lives and being bystanders. Uh, in this country, you have to be a citizen. 
And that means being engaged in participatory democracy, which is what this republic is all about. Uh, and these fools uh, who have taken over the, the Democrat Party, the, the Marxist Dems, the hard left, they mean to destroy everything our society, our culture, our, our heritage and history is about. Uh, there's no question about it. And we have a group of people who are just going on their merry way, assuming that this is still about the loyal opposition uh, and this is about uh, the difference in social policy uh, a, that can be fused with a compromise, uh, an intelligent and heartfelt compromise. And it's all nonsense. This is a bloody, this is a bloody war. Uh, and yes. it's that simple. Yes. 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 yes, absolutely. And the stakes are... The stakes in this war are the highest they've ever been in the sense that we are fighting. You know, we're not fighting with tanks. We're not fighting with missiles. We're fighting, though, for a culture war for the future of everything. Uh, the founding fathers and those who built our civilizations, our societies. And, and let's just remember one thing. You know, we have actually we've actually developed for human beings, the greatest model for freedom, liberty, and wealth creation mankind has yet developed since it first emerged on this earth. There is so much, I think, in our histories that we should be enormously proud of. And what the Marxists want to do is tear it down, destroy it, smash it to pieces, and they're using the colleges, the universities, to indoctrinate a younger generation um, into this. We've got to fight back. And we can, and, you know, look, I'm a realist, all right? I'm a realist, but this, don't give up. This can still be won, and I believe that it will be. Yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not quitters about anything in this country, and uh, we certainly won't quit on our own nation. Uh, I, I, I want to go to one other point, if I may, before we conclude here. And that is, we saw the this uh, rupture uh, between the United States and the UK uh, in the presidencies of uh, you know of, of Donald Trump and uh, Biden. Uh, we didn't see either one mend. We do not see the United States and the UK working, uh, as it were, hand in glove, as we once did. Uh, this isn't Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan time. It's quite a different situation. And I think that that is a, a subset of a, uh, as well as a causal uh, agent in much of the dissonance around the European Union uh, and our two countries. Uh, your, your thoughts about that? Margaret Thatcher once said, the closer America and the UK are, the safer the world is. And 40 years on, that has a, I think, terrific resonance. But we don't get everything right. But in the really, really big decisions about freedom, about liberty, about being prepared, being prepared to stand up um, and make sacrifices for what is right, uh, generally, the UK and America together have done some amazing things. And if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Churchill holding out, America coming in, um, Europe would have been led by the Nazis for 50, 60 years. I mean, just think on that. Just think on the enormity of what D-Day represented, of what our forebears actually did for liberty and freedom, not just of ourselves, 
but of hundreds of millions of other people across the continent of Europe and elsewhere. So, no, I absolutely buy into this, and I think it's as true today as it was then. And and again, I repeat the point. I think most ordinary, decent people understand this, feel this, they get this. What we've got to do is connect with them, make them stand up and make them fight. And this isn't about being left of centre or right of centre. Forget all of that. The old left-right divides in politics are gone. This is now a new kind of politics. It's a politics that says either we respect our past, our identity, uh, we stand up for the values that we believe in, I want to pass these on to our kids and grandkids, or it's a, we want to destroy everything and start again. And most of those who advocate uh, for that latter principle, which is basically Marxism, don't even know or understand what they're doing because they're pawns in a much, much bigger game. Uh, and, And we just have to appeal to ordinary common decency. But you know what? History teaches us one thing. Liberty and freedom are things that unless you continually fight for them, could go next week, next month, or next year. You cannot take any of those great freedoms that you and I have enjoyed for our adult lives. You cannot take any of these things for granted. There are always bad people, bad forces that always have been since the dawn of mankind that will take those away. And we are now, once again, back at one of those great moments of challenge. And I just, wherever I go and I meet people, they're all, Nigel, I agree with you, mate. You know, you're doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. I always say to them, please, don't just agree with me. Commit today to do something, to stand up. Whether it's giving $50 whether it's volunteering to knock on doors, whether it's helping with uh, call lines, you've got to do something. Those that went before us died in their hundreds of thousands, defending that liberty that we can have. What we're asking people to do is tiny by comparison, but goodness me, it does need to be done. Well said, Nigel. Thank you very much. Just as a closing comment here, because I'm dealing with a with a former uh, commodities metals trader, uh, what do you think of parity? Uh, the European the euro and the dollar. Is that well? I'm watching this. I'm watching this with huge fascination. Of course, there was a at the United Nations where Donald Trump, a friend of yours and mine, and Donald Trump said that the Germans had made a terrible mistake by making themselves too dependent on Russia for their energy supply. And, 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 and they pan, the camera pans to the German delegation who laugh at Trump, laugh him out of court. And the reason that the euro dipped below parity with the dollar yesterday for the first time in over 20 years is because now everyone realizes as Putin takes the Donbass, which he will, which he will, there's no question about that. And as our rhetoric against him ramps up, he could Simply turn the taps off. He's found new markets in China and India, the scale of which we can't even believe. And Europe, through its green policy idiocy, has left itself in a vulnerable place. If worse came to worse, Putin could literally close down every German car manufacturer tomorrow. That's what the market's telling us. And that just shows you the sheer political stupidity of the globalists and the idiots. And whatever his good points and bad points, you know what? On the big picture stuff, Trump got so much right. Oh, absolutely. 
Uh, and you can fairly say almost everything right. Nigel Parage, <laughs> you got all you got almost everything right yourself, partner. Uh, it is great to have you with us. Always good to to hear your voice and to listen to your insights. Thanks for uh, joining us here on the Great America Show. It's a pleasure, Lou. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for being with us today. Next here on the Great America Show will be Derek Maltz, a great American, former DEA director of special operations. We'll be talking about the national crisis on our border. As two countries, Mexico and China, are succeeding in their campaign to poison America. Hundreds of thousands of Americans killed by the fentanyl that is devastating America. Fentanyl is now the number one killer of Americans, 18 to 45, and the Biden administration is doing nothing about it. Not a single thing. They don't even talk about it. Just who is it that owns Joe Biden? It turns out that may be a consortium. Please join us here tomorrow for Derek Maltz and why DHS Secretary Mayorkas is a straight-up traitor to the United States. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.